The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Game, and that right there, Sia Najad. Sia, third time's a charm. This is our third attempt at doing the DFS preview uh, for the Houston Open, and I believe we have finally got it figured out. Yeah, it's all Greg's fault. That's the reason we're late. That's that's my story. And you mentioned earlier, you said the word the field. So it's going to be a comeback story for me uh, with golf because I had Justin Fields in like every NFL DFS lineup this week. The problem was I literally had zero Joe Mixon. So I, I made money, but I could have won all the money on DraftKings if I just had Joe Mixon with Justin Fields. And since I didn't make all the money, I got to make it all in golf this week at the Houston Open. So hopefully we can help each other do that. Okay, we can do that. Uh, no Greg this week. We'll catch up with him uh, further down the road. You know, it's okay. It's okay to get a week off every every now and then. But uh, the PGA Tour does not have the week off. They roll on to Houston, the penultimate event of the fall portion of the schedule. Producer Troy, if you could share my screen, that'd be splendid. Thank you very much. We're going to Memorial Park. And Sia, this is, first off, a muni. You can play this course. It's public. Go go have at it. They've got like 50 or 60,000 rounds a year. You can play where the tour guys are going to play this week. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I assume that's going to, you know, lead everybody to more information about the course. We don't have much by way of information just because we don't have a ton of history. But, uh, you know, it's that that's kind of cool. You know, interestingly enough, though, it's, it's going to be a tough challenge, which I think might be um, sort of the opposite expectation. Yeah, Memorial Park kind of got um, it got lapped, right? I mean, they, they used to go here a lot, but like 50 years ago, and then just recently, 2019 is when Tom Doak came in, actually with the uh, assistance or the players' perspective of Brooks Kepka, and and they redid this golf course and got it back up to like PGA Tour difficulty and length and standards and all that fun stuff. So we've got three years, Sia. Um, and with the way that the scheduling has changed, it's it's bizarre. But it's basically 2019, 2021, 2022 seasons, I believe, is what it is. So don't be confused by that. Uh, this is now the 2023 season, mm -hmm. uh, which will be the fourth time we go to Memorial Park. So as you mentioned, it's three years. Uh, it, it plays rather difficult. We'll have to do the best with those three, those three cracks at it. That's right. And, and we kind of know what the course is for the most part. I mean, at least, at least I think we do. I mean, we, we know we have it just it's an interesting setup with three par fives. We got five par threes, a lot of long par fours. Um, you know, I think it this course, this setup sort of lends itself to, you know, we have this up here on YouTube in terms of the um, the length of each hole. It certainly lends itself to the bomber narrative. And, and I'm totally OK with that for the record. I don't think you have to be a bomber on this course, but I, I think getting it out there is definitely going to help. I think the short game is going to be of major import to me, not just the putting, not just Bermuda putting, but also around the green gameplay. So that's, you know, I guess that's one way of saying you got to have the complete game here, but I'm definitely going to have a primary focus on that short game collectively, the around the green and the putting. 
Yeah, the five par threes, and they're all different lengths, which is great. That's that's kind of the true um, the true test here. 155 yards at shortest, 237 at the longest. The par fives are some of the the toughest par fives that you get on the PGA Tour schedule, and at a par 70, just a hair over 7,400 yards. Only Southern Hills was longer last season, and uh, Southern Hills was obviously the PGA Championship. So this is this is going to be this is going to be stout. Uh, you mentioned the around the green play. Tom Doak came in here and they removed a lot of bunkers, Sia. And now it's a lot of these short grass areas around the greens. And that's, that is way more challenging than just bunkers being everywhere because pros are professionals out of bunkers. That's right. So it, it makes it more challenging because we know that you, you, that you said a pros are professionals out of bunkers like that, meaning, of course, that it's easier for them to be in the bunker than to be in the short grass. And so I, I think you really have to kind of hone in on who's comfortable around the green because they're going to be in positions around the green that are going to be more compromising. So that's why, again, it's going to be more of an emphasis for me today. Yeah, I mean, this week. Here's what we're looking at on, on my website, rickrungood.com, the course key stats model. So th- this is not just the eye test as well. The data backs this up. Um, in the three years that we've played Memorial Park, strokes gained around the green ranks sixth and strokes gained putting ranks second, which means there's only five other courses in which strokes gained around the green was more correlated to success. And there's only one other course in which strokes gained putting has been more correlated to success. It's only three years, but it's pretty uh, interesting and um it's important. It's important because I think I love it, Sia, when both the the data and the eye test align. That's right. And and so I think we have – so, I mean, I, I guess my question for you, Rick, is, okay, we know that. We, we know that short game is going to come into play here. Maybe we should have a little bit more of an emphasis on on sort of the, the around the green and, and the, the putter. But are you going to be emphasizing – distance in any real way are you going to be emphasizing certain approach proximities which i know you don't typically love to talk about in terms of segregating buckets but i'm just curious where you're at on on that yeah probably not on the buckets because uh tom doke does such a good job of kind of giving us a a bunch of different ways to do this and a bunch of different buckets i don't think there's any one or two that i would be particularly interested in distance is always an advantage um however accuracy playing out of the short grass playing out of the fairway here is it's nice because there's it's this really kind of sticky bermuda grass it's going to start the week at two and a half inches thick which does not sound very long but basically compared to other fall golf courses that's like some of the longest that we get and it'll grow out as the week goes on so uh yeah i think if i if i could really choose playing out of the fairway. I think it's a little bit more important than distance, but distance is, uh, it doesn't matter what golf course. It doesn't matter where in the world distance is always a, a benefit. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I'm, I'm with that. I might actually put a little bit more emphasis on distance, but I mean, you can't have it all right. I can't have a bomber who's good on approach, who's excellent around the green and and putting. So while my emphasis will be a little bit more on the short game relative to some of these other tournaments, um, to the extent I can, emphasize something else. I think this distance will, will sort of be third place in, in those types of metrics. Okay. Well, let's start talking about some names. We are going to jump into the cheat sheet and go tier by tier, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Here is the cheat sheet. Uh, five golfers over $10,000. Scotty Scheffler, 11-5. Sam Burns, 10-7. Tony Finau, 10-4. Hideki Matsuyama, 10-3. And Russell Henley, a flat $10,000. So, Sia, uh, where would you like to allocate your big bucks here at the top of the board? I hate when this happens, but it's the top three. You know, I, I don't I don't know what to say. Like Hideki is just too much of an unknown. He's been too bad for too long. And I, I, let's have some perspective. I'm obviously relating that to the top five that you just mentioned. I don't think I'm going to get to Henley. A shout out to Greg Ducharme, who, of course, we cannot play Henley after last week because nobody wins back to back. So I obviously have to be up Henley. But in all seriousness, I don't think I'd be on Henley here anyway. I mean, the finishing positions are certainly strong, but it's Scotty, Sam, and Tony for me. If I have to distinguish two of those three, it's probably going to be, you know, it's probably going to be Scheffler and Sam Burns, and I'll probably leave Tony Finau out. They all rate out just super well. I love what we saw from Scotty this weekend, particularly on Sunday. Um, we know how he can flash, and, and it looks like the putter, you know, might be rebounding from just basically a disaster for the entire summer. Um, and we see that here. I mean, we don't have strokes gain metrics from the Mayakoba, but I'm safe to say he he was pretty awesome with the putter, right, Rick? Yeah, I mean, he shot uh, the rounds of the day by a couple shots on Sunday. I believe it was a 62. Uh, the highlights that we saw, uh, he was rolling everything in. Now, I will note, uh, you know, he's gone through a putter change recently, uh, at least for Sunday and at least for Saturday. He was back to his trusty blade putter that he used to win those four tournaments last year. So maybe see he just needed to put that in a little bit of a timeout right? Show it. Mm-hmm. That, hey, I can, I can go use a, a Scotty Cameron prototype. I can use something else, but he is back to that, uh, that faithful, uh, blade that we saw him do so well with all, all year long. Yeah. And, and if, if that's come around, obviously we, we know the upside. I mean, he's, he's elite as far as this tournament goes, there's probably like two or three guys that, that may, maybe one or two that are possibly in the conversation with Scotty. But I, I do want to talk about Sam Burns a little bit. If you pull him up here, yeah. you know, the approach plays has been, been pretty bad but you know we know distance isn't a problem if you want to emphasize that he's been coming around off the tee as we can see here he's great on bermuda so, so that's good um he needs the approach game to rebound but you know when it comes to these like prolific guys i kind of will give somebody a pass if they've been bad in one particular area for a short period of time if you look at his 24 round split it's it's bad like his approach is like terrible relative to the field like he's in the bottom half of this field but if you go back 50 rounds it's like oh yeah that's the sam burns i i know and love so i think i'm willing to give guys like sam burns a pass knowing how hot he can get knowing he can get very hot with the putter as well so sam burns and scotty and then i i'm not worried about the miscut from tony last week but i think i, I he's got to be on the outside looking in well This stat profile from Sam Burns, it reminds me a lot of the Russell Henley stat profile. Yeah. Right. This Mm -hmm. is where you've got to give at least some of the higher end guys, you give them a little more credit for their 100 round baseline or their 200 round baseline or whatever you want to call it, because you know, it's, it's there. Right. And you know that some of these elite guys can just pop off, have a good week and, and win the golf tournament. That's what Russell Henley essentially did uh, last week. And Sam Burns is, is kind of setting up in a, in a similar stat profile. The Tony Finau thing is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know how, how closely you were, you were tracking this. See, uh, obviously, you know, the, the Mayakoba championship in, in uh, November or ends of October doesn't draw a ton of eyeballs, but this was a bizarre miscut. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, what I believe posted a minus five, five under par. Uh, and then I guess when he came in and signed his card, we got the real card and it dropped into minus three and he misses the cut on the number. And first of all, that's like a, a shock to the system. Yes. I, you know, we had thought he had played much better than that. We thought he was safe, all that. Um, but the big thing here is he had four penalty strokes in those two rounds. And I, and I kind of look at that and just say, man, he's not going to, he's not going to find four penalties over the first two rounds this week. That is generally an outlier. And he still just missed the cut on the number. I would, I'm okay. Going back to Tony Finau here. Yeah. I'm okay. Going back to him too. I mean, if you wanted to make an argument against him relative to the two guys we already discussed, Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler, and it's such a small sample size, but Scotty's second, 32nd, Sam Burns, seventh, seventh, and miscut 24th for Finau. Now, granted, he's been really, really good, you know, after that. You know, in other words, Finau's been really good just in this last year as a whole. But again, you know, I wonder when it comes to ownership, 
to me, yeah. it's Scotty and then it's Tony. And I, I might be wrong, but that's how I see this. And I, I see Sam Burns, especially for those that are looking at models and they're looking at like the last 24 or even 36 rounds. Sam Burns is not going to flash as much. And when you look at his recent approach play, he's obviously not going to flash as much. So I, I think it's those top two. I, I should say I shouldn't say that. I think it's Tony Finau and Scotty. They're going to get a lot of popularity. Then it's going to be Sam Burns. And then you're bringing up Hideki here. Then I think it's like Hideki and Henley. People are going to take shots there. But uh, I have a feeling we'll get at least a slight ownership discount off of Finau onto Sam Burns. Yeah, I think that um, I'm happy to go back to Tony. I think obviously kind of in a vacuum, Scotty Scheffler seems like the play here. But I think the 10K, uh, my decisions will likely be dictated by ownership. Right. If for, mm-hmm. if for some reason, if Sam Burns comes in at half the ownership of Scotty Shuffler, like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll roll with Sam Burns. No problem there. Um, or if Tony Finau, if people don't like the way he missed the cut, like I'll just go there. So um, I'm probably going to let ownership dictate a lot of my decisions here at the top. Totally agree with that. Uh, 100%. Uh, the $9,000 range. Uh, fascinating stuff here. Aaron Wise, Taylor Montgomery, Jason Day. Then we rounded out with Mav McNeely, Sahith Tagala, Denny McCarthy, Emiliano Grillo, and Joel Damon. You can make a case for a lot of these guys. I see a lot of them have a pretty decent history around Memorial Park. What are the better options here? There's two guys that I like a lot. There's a third guy I will consider, but I have a feeling I won't actually get to him because he'll just be popular enough for me to well, actually, I, I could be wrong about that. Let me just get to the two guys that I like a lot. One's not going to surprise anybody and he might just end up being really popular. It's Aaron Wise at 9,900. A lot of people like to play Aaron Wise, Rick, and I, I think that's partly your fault and influence because I know you're an Aaron Wise guy, so we I all want to be Aaron Wise guys. <laughs> um, but with that said, I mean, this this does seem like a breakthrough moment for him. It, it, I'm just kind of being predictive, right? I, I'm trying to foreshadow. This does feel like a course where Aaron Wise could win. And if there's only so many people above him that he has to beat out. And, and the guys below him are, are you know – his caliber or worse. And he just seems like such a good fit. He's, he's got the, he's got the distance component. Um, really everything grades out well approach off the tee, long iron play. If you want to look at that, um, the longer par threes, you know, he's, he's doing the putting's coming around. I just think, and by the way, the finishing positions are really good. He's made the cut in eight tournaments in a row, which isn't a big deal for somebody this high price, but he's been top 15 or better in, in two of those. So I, I just think he has in this field, he has a shot to potentially win this thing. He's been top 15 or better in five of those. Do not. Oh, excuse uh, me. Did I say two? Do not knock Aaron Wise. Five of eight top 15 finishes, two in a row. Um, And and you're right. You know, he he tends to play better on more difficult golf courses. So his um, strokes gain on hard golf courses is about three quarters of a shot per round. It's sixth best in this field. I, I mean, and it, and it makes sense, right? Generally, the harder the golf course, the the better test it is. Um, and, and the guys that are, are better from tee to green can kind of separate themselves a little bit. And then for years, that's been Aaron Wise. And then he's just added in the putter as well. So, I mean, it, it makes it makes complete sense that um, this is going to be a pretty prime spot for him. So if it's not Wise, then who is it? Well, so I'm worried that I'm going to be on a couple popular guys here in this 9K range. But Jason Day is the other guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he listen, the game, we're starting to witness the old Jason Day. When I say old Jason Day, I mean like old Jason Day, like three, four or five years ago, Jason Day. Uh, everything's coming back. First of all, he's got a lot more length off the tee from, from what I've noticed. And the off the tee numbers are great. The approach numbers are great around the green, a little sketchy. The putter has been, you know, hit or miss, but again, with the short game, that that's going to be, especially with the putter, that's going to be hit or miss regardless. He's, he's also good on Bermuda. So that's going to help from a putting standpoint. I just think Jason day is, is another guy that's primed to sort of put his name back on the map or his face back on the map. And, and this could be the tournament to do it. So those are my two favorite guys. The third guy, by the way, is Emiliano Grillo. Cause I think he checks out very well for this course. I'm not super impressed with his finishing positions as of late though. Um, I will tell you what, a lot of people probably do not realize that Jason day finished T 21 last week. Because he was uh, quite popular. I, I mean, I was very excited to play Jason Day last week. He shot a 73 on Thursday, uh, which was two over. That that probably should have been it, right? When you're two over on Thursday at Mayakoba, uh, I think a lot of people stopped tracking Jason Day. Shot a 64 on Friday, made the cut, and then went 67-66 on the weekend. So that's... 
130 plus 197 over the final three rounds, 16 under par by my quick napkin math. Like, uh, yeah, that's he didn't play. If he didn't play himself out of it on Thursday, we might be uh, talking about Jason Day inside the top. 10 top five, maybe making a run at this thing. Russell Henley gave himself enough distance, but yeah, I, I think a lot of people are not going to realize uh, that Jason day actually finished inside the top 25 last week. And, and I'm wondering if people have come around on Jason day enough to sort of pluck him out of this lineup, because we have guys, even if, even if you want to go up to like Russell Henley at 10 K Taylor Montgomery has been red hot. Um, Matt McNeely is an interesting, Sahithigala is an interesting name, Denny McCarthy. So I just wonder as much as I think I'm, I'm kind of late to the Jason day party. I wonder if everybody's going to be late to the Jason Day party because of where he has been grouped, the people he has been grouped with. Um, there are, are some really fascinating names here. Like Maverick McNeely and uh, T- Taylor Montgomery are way over their heads with the putter, like way over their heads. Mm-hmm. But like, I kind of want a putter here. So can I just get like one more week from those guys? I actually think the more interesting, um, the more interesting guy is Denny McCarthy, especially considering what his ownership might be compared to a Maverick McNeely compared to uh, a Taylor Montgomery, because this guy actually is the best putter in the world. And he hasn't been doing it for eight or 10 weeks. He's been doing it for like three or four years. So if you want a putter uh, who is not significantly over their head, Danny McCarthy seems to be that guy coming off a T6 at the Bermuda Championship. Actually, hasn't even putted well in his last two measure starts. I assume he putted well in Bermuda because he finished inside the top 10 there. But um, interested to see kind of what those, uh, what the industry does with those three guys, McNeely, Montgomery, McCarthy. That's hard to say. And also, Denny. Uh, in his three trips to Memorial Park has a ninth and an 11th. So that's that's the guy I'm focusing in on. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and now that we discussed this 9K range, I, I feel like we're at a place where it's going to be flat. In other words, we, we can just kind of go ahead and take the guy or two guys that we like because other than Joel Damon – you know, people aren't going to play him as, and even Grillo, they're not going to play him as much as Denny, as much as Jason Day, as much as Taylor Montgomery, maybe even Mav as well. So I think like those types of guys are maybe on the outside looking in from an ownership standpoint, but I don't know that I want to pivot there. I think Taylor Montgomery, well, certainly Aaron Wise, Jason Day, Denny, I think they're going to be relatively popular, but not too popular. So as much as I want to fade ownership, I'm not sure I fade it in this specific range, unless unless we have something like Aaron Wise is just you know out of control ownership. I'm happy to pivot to somebody else. But to your, to your question or your point about Denny, uh, that you're right that that might be the guy. I mean, I, I loved what we we just pulled up on YouTube. They around the green game too. Like we, we think of him as just a yeah. great putter, but like everything is checking out with him off the tee approach around the green is excellent. And then of course the putter and the finishing positions, it would be so golf for him to finish in last place, but he checks all, like basically all the boxes. Yeah. Over the last 50 rounds, he is the, um, well, Taylor Montgomery's an outlier, but Taylor Montgomery doesn't have 50 measured rounds. So a little bit of a smaller sample size in this range. He is, he is the best short game player he's basically the best putter uh he's the best around the green and he's got two really good results here in three years like i think it makes i think it makes perfect sense the eight thousand dollar range for as fun and exciting and well-rounded as the nines are the eights i have a lot more questions about we are going to get to those guys and the rest of the value but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. $8,000 range. So, yeah. so all the guys in the 9K have got uh, course history, good results, all that fun stuff. There is not a top 25 for any golfer 
at Memorial Park in the AK range. The best finish of anybody was three years ago. Sebastian Munoz finished 28th at Memorial Park. That's it. It's it's not great. You know, I'm I'm looking at the history and like Matthew Naismith is a guy I really like this, but there's like four names I'll give out here. And, you know, this isn't great for Matthew Naismith, 4600th, 100th. Uh, well, I shouldn't say 46th miscut, miscut. But there, I like guys in this range because a lot of these guys have really improved, particularly over the last year or two. And Matthew Naismith is one of those guys, for the record. I, I, I To me, first of all, it's a little striking to see Matthew Naismith at 8,900 in any tournament. So like that, that's sort of where I'm like, oh, I'm not so sure about that, which is why if he's even remotely popular, I am super happy to pivot. My hope is that because he's 8,900, people are like, yeah, I'm just not paying that for Matthew Naismith. So they, they move somewhere else. But he, he does, to me, check every box, as we see here. The approach game has been on fire, off the tee, on fire. He's gaining with the putter in in obscene ways. I mean, it's five in a row now coming off a bad stretch. And, uh, you know, the around the green game could be better. That that could end up kind of hurting him to some degree. But I, I do like him unless he's popular. A few other names I like. Taylor Pendrith, I feel like can potentially get into trouble with some short game issues. But if he doesn't, if he just stays hot, he's a guy in the 8K range that I think can win the tournament. Again, when you look at the putter, the around the green game, it's not bad, um, but the putter has been pretty bad. So that's like a big watch out for me. Taylor Pendrith is kind of more of a showdown guy or maybe a first round leader play hint, hint uh, if if the if he's in the right sort of wave uh, morning, afternoon. But I do like him. Uh, he can bomb it, obviously, a monster with the ball striking. Davis Riley, I like a lot. I'll note that Bermuda is his best surface. Um, off the tee, he's been a little sketchy, but Approach game has been solid. I'll give you one other name all the way down to 8,000. And it's Taylor Moore, who these are like, I I don't know if anybody else would call him. Like to me, he's like a short game specialist. Uh, He happens to be really good with the long irons as well. Off the tee is kind of a weakness for him, but I'm I'm not super concerned about that. Um, But I, I like Taylor Moore. I like his price quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, Neesmith, yeah, the three straight top tens. Now he's had a couple of weeks off, so you always worry like, oh, has he kind of lost that form? Um, but I think certainly worth considering if you want to look at the Bermuda putting numbers. Uh, so the of the guys that have a large enough sample size, Denny McCarthy's number one, no surprise. Sam Burns, number two. That shouldn't be much of a surprise. The guy who's growing on me in the 8K range is third here, and it's Andrew Putnam. So he is he's a big loser um, off the tee, but that is absolutely just because he is short off the tee. He's very short off the tee. He's very, very accurate. It's the only place in which he loses. He's a a small positive on approach, and then his short game is magnificent. You look at the run he's been on, Sia. uh, He hasn't missed a cut since the Barracuda. That was in July. He's got a couple of top five finishes in there. Most recently, the Zozo Championship, he finished runner-up. This is, like, I can just feel myself growing on Andrew Putnam as the week goes on. I think it's a really smart play, too, because I think people will lean toward the heavier hitters, if you will, the longer hitters. And that, and to me, that means Andrew, and Andrew Putnam's not, he's just not one of those guys that gets popularity. I don't know. You could probably check that right now, right? His, in terms of his, his highest ownership. I, I think it's going to be more yeah. of the same here. Maya, Maya Koba, 12% is the highest he has ever been. Yes. Since I've been tracking this. So uh, yeah, he, he lives in that single digit ownership range. Yeah. I think uh, I think that I think Andrew Putnam is a really smart play. I do want to mention that this is not a guy I'm recommending for for those of you that track those things. Uh, Keith Mitchell was interesting to me right off the bat, but then I, he seemed almost like a little trappish to me because of the short game issues. He's another guy that I would probably prefer in like a showdown or, or a um, you know first round leader scenario uh, rather than uh, just you know over four rounds. Yeah, he's been really struggling uh both on and around the greens the the ball striking the driver's been fine the ball the 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 second shot has been a little bit erratic this is not a great stat profile for keith mitchell we've seen him play much better uh for a long time for the last couple of years this is this is a pretty pretty bad spot for him not that he can't break out but it's it's not it's not a great look certainly no signs of breaking out um who else Taylor Pendrith is interesting. Um, we've just not, we've also just not seen a lot of Taylor Pendrith, right? He missed four months last year with the fractured rib. He's a great driver of the ball. If he's a zero around the green, 
Uh, I'm willing to take my chances with the putter because sometimes he loses four and sometimes he gains four. Um, but he needs to be a zero around the greens. And I don't know. I don't know what the likelihood of that is, but I, I'm excited just for the next 12 months of Taylor Petra. Yeah. And I think it's worth playing him because I think, you know, sometimes when we talk about guys being a zero around the green, like sometimes we're talking about elite players like Colin Morikawa or something, but sometimes we're talking about guys who actually don't have winning equity, like guys in the 7K range or or, or that just they're not going to win the tournament. I actually think, especially in this field, not that it's a horrible field, but I do think Taylor Pendrith has the ability to contend in this field. So he's a guy that if he does have a zero putter, like you could actually see him on Sunday, Sunday afternoon down the stretch of a tournament. So that's why I'm going to be more willing to play him uh, rather than maybe a guy who's a terrible putter down the board. Uh, I know we had zero points at the President's Cup, but maybe we can get some of those like good President's Cup vibes that basically everybody else got uh, after they after they left Quail Hollow. Um, the $7,000 range, here's where it gets massive, right? And we can find basically anything we want here. So let's start with a name or two. Uh, Wyndham Clark is the top and the bottom of the 7K range is a handful of guys like Kevin Streelman, Russell Knox, Trey Mullinax. So let's, let's, let's start with a guy or two here. Okay, let's start with I'll, I'll give you two names right off the bat. Uh, Patrick Rogers, uh, a longer hitter, as we know, he's kind of reined it in uh, with the approach game and the finishing positions have been pretty good for Patrick Rogers as of late now. T27, T3, T16, T28, T54. That's his last five. So I feel like even though a lot of these aren't measured events, I feel like he is kind of finding something. And I I think he's a pretty good course fit. The next name I'll give you is Lee Hodges. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rates out really well for me. Tee to green, off the tee, um, the the long par threes, long iron play, approach, greens and regulation. Literally, like, rates out really, really well, pretty much across the board. Um, He can find a hot putter. Uh, He he can be pretty good around the green. Uh, I think there's pretty good value there uh, for Lee Hodges at 7,600. Hodges and Neesmith, we could put together a a Vineyard Vines team uh, here shortly. They all wear that huge whale on their their chest. Um, Okay, how about Friends of the Pod, Sepp Straka? Mm -hmm. Now, it hasn't been as good recently, but – he won the Honda this year, which is PGA National historically one of the harder courses that we get on the PGA Tour schedule. Uh, almost won in Memphis, a, a playoff event. Almost won at Sanderson Farms. That was this season. And you look at what he has done here, Sia, and of anybody who's got double-digit rounds in the Tom Doak era, the Memorial Park era, nobody's been better than Sepp Straka. Now, it includes a missed cut, but T4, T5, missed cut. I'm I you you talk about guys not having win equity. I think Sepp Straka has more than his peers in this range. I totally agree. Uh, Sepp Straka was one of three more names I was going to give you. Uh, obviously, the around the green game can be an issue. It hasn't really been an issue for him here, uh, and we know he's been okay around the green before. So again, in this seven K range, I mean, you're you're not going to find the, the perfect candidate. So at least find a candidate that has some win equity or some top five equity. And Sepp Straka has not only done it here, but he's done it in the last twelve months as well. Um, what were the other names that you had? Yeah, so t- this is random. Uh, Davis Thompson. I think is interesting. I don't think anybody's going to play Davis Thompson. Uh, three made cuts in a row since coming over from some uh, Corn Ferry Tour competition. Uh, two of those three that he's been on, as we can see here, that he's been on the um, PGA Tour wow. for, you know, great, great finishing position. This is, this, is way, this is way better than I was anticipating. Right. And, and I mean, like, what what doesn't check out here other, other than we don't have a huge sample size? But even if you go back to the Corn Ferry Tour stuff, I mean, he's popped. I mean, there's there's a win there. There's a T5. There's a T6. There's another T6. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of cuts there, too. But again, what are we looking for in this tournament? We're looking for ups. Well, in any any golf DFS, really, in tournaments, we're looking for upside. And I think Davis Thompson is one of those names where people haven't really come around to him yet. And yeah, he could crash it and burn your lineup. But that's why he's the price he is. He could that's- also finish top 15. Basically, 13 strokes gained in the ball striking categories in 12 rounds this season. He's a plus around the green player, and he's volatile with the putter. He's been minus. He lost three and a half in Jackson. He gained three and a half in Napa. This is. I was. I was genuinely not surprised. Uh, not expecting to see this. That's, that's yeah. pretty darn good. It's it's pretty great. And the other guy, this is a guy I've been on for a while now, uh, and he happens to be good around the green as well, which certainly helps uh, approach and tee to green numbers inside the top 20. Uh, Steven Yeager. 
Uh, he's 7,100. And I, th- this is one of those guys that I think is coming on that I think maybe in, I don't know, a year or so we could find him in, with a similar field instead of at 7,100, you know, maybe 8,200, maybe 8,300, a guy that's consistently competing. I, I, the, the metrics aren't really jumping out at me, but yeah, again, that short game is going to be really important here. And that's where he is a prime candidate to succeed. Yeah, he is um, splendid on and around the greens. Uh, the miscut in Bermuda was his first miscut since the 3M Open. I, I, I could give a lot of guys a pass for missing a cut in Bermuda with the wins and the things that they had going on there. Um, the only other one that I would probably want to point out here is Grayson Sig at 7,400. So his his season has started really well. He had the uh, the ninth place finish in Jackson. He had the 11th in Bermuda. And then he was inside the top 10 Sia for three rounds last week. He he was like T9 going into the final round. Shot a, I forget what he shot, but he dropped 35 shot, uh, spots on the leaderboard on Sunday. That's like the reverse Jason Day, right? Both, both Jason Day and Grayson Sig gave us three really, really good rounds last week. And I don't think they should necessarily be penalized for the one bad round that they had. Totally agree. I, I'm a I'm a Grayson Sig guy. I, I don't mind that play at all. Grayson Sig is is certainly kind of on my list there. As we look in that low 7K range, what do you think about Robbie Shelton this week? Um, what we know of Robbie Shelton is that he's fairly stout on and around the greens. And I was a backer of his for that 23rd place finish, which was Bermuda where, I mean, through two rounds, he was like winning the golf tournament. So it was actually a disappointing 23rd, but that's neither here nor there. I'm happy to invest in Robbie Shelton, and I'm even happy to go back to Danny Willett. Um, Danny Willett gains his strokes via the short game categories, and he's been doing it uh, well enough. He is not a consistent guy. If you're looking for consistency, Danny Willett's not your guy. But just recently, he's got the... T21 last week in Mexico. He made, uh, I was going to say he made the cut. He finished T40 at the CJ Cup. It's a no cut event. Uh, finished runner up at the Fortinet that he should have won, right? That's the one Max Homa stole from him. He three putts on the 72nd hole. I mean, he's been playing fairly good golf around the world for the better part of, I don't know, at least four months. Agree. I actually think Willett is a super sneaky play. Uh, I think him and guys like Putnam are definitely going to make your lineup anybody's lineup uh, quite different. And I, I, yeah, I, I will, you know, a course like this where you need to be savvy around the green, like a guy like Danny Willett could really kind of, kind of own that as we see, was that his history here that you just, I, I, it was just, it was, it was both. It was his history. I did Honda. Cause I wanted to see how he played on difficult golf course. I thought he had a good result at Honda. He does not T 48 and a missed cut. So I had Honda up and I had Houston up. Uh, it's not pretty for, for either one of them. And his and Houston, his history is so his history. Okay. His Houston history great. is just uh, miscut, withdrawal, miscut. The only other name I'll bring up is in the seven K range. This last week was the first time I didn't play Will Gordon for for a while. Like I know he hasn't been around that long, but I had been kind of like talking about him and playing him um, every week that I could. And last week, for some reason, I didn't make a ton of lineups last week. I'm, I'm a little because I, I wasn't on the show on Monday and then I was a little disappointed in the tournament selection. But Gordon didn't make any of my lineups. And I was pretty disappointed in myself about that. And he just keeps churning out results, made cuts. Uh, any thoughts on Will Gordon this week? Yeah, I mean, I think it's clear that he has like found the game that we thought he was going to have when he came on tour a couple of years ago. And these results that we're seeing on the PGA Tour should not be a huge surprise. The end of his Corn Ferry Tour season was awesome. Fifth, fifth win, played well in the playoffs, and then he's absolutely continued that onto the PGA Tour. So I'm I'm very happy. I mean, he's found it. He's found his game that we were kind of waiting to see. As long as he doesn't um, play himself out of this around the greens, I think he gives himself a decent chance. Yeah, he strikes me as a guy, another one of those guys. And I and I always kind of say this, and sometimes it, it bears out and sometimes it doesn't, but he strikes me as the type of guy that we're gonna we're gonna look after this turn and be like, man, that dude could have been 8,500. You know, like like that that I don't want to say it's a misprice because we don't have enough information about him to say it's a misprice, but he just like he's given us the consistency that we won and the around the green game. Like we don't have a huge sample size here, but it's just basically one bad tournament at the Fortinet where he was just pretty horrific around the green. Other than that, he's been okay. 
Yeah. I mean, we could go like, yeah, if you go to the, there's a lot of events in the fall that we don't have measured events. So if you look at like his scrambling numbers or scrambling is like kind of a flawed thing, but he's, he's 57th in scrambling on tour, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there, there is some evidence that he is at least better around the greens than his 155th rank for this season <laughs> show. Cause it's like that, like you said, that one bad result in Napa. Right. Yeah. So I think he's, he's certainly viable at 7,700 in my opinion. Uh, the sixes, 6,900, Svensson, Benny on Cheston Hadley, Nick Taylor, Ryan Palmer, Sam Ryder just withdrew. So don't play Sam Ryder. Uh, and then the min price guys, Travis Vick is back. Very ugly miscut last week. Ryan Bram, Jim Harmon, who's won this event or Jim Herman, excuse me, Jason Duffner, Cole hammer amongst others. I got to admit, Sia, I'm, I do not particularly like the $6,000 range. I, I think there's a couple of guys that I'm like throwing a dart with, but I do not see the necessarily obvious guy. There's not an obvious guy. I haven't, well, you know, it depends on how you define obvious. <laughs> there is a guy, there's a couple of guys that rate out really well for me, uh, which might just be, maybe I just have a terrible model. I don't know. But first of all, at 6,800, Ben Griffin uh, looks to be a candidate that probably could be in the low 7K range, and we wouldn't really think too much about it. Uh, played really well over the last four tournaments. Around the green game is great. Driving distance is great. Tee to green approach, not bad. Um, it, the, like, like we see here, it's you know the putter's been pretty bad. But other than that, for 6,800, you, you, the big weakness is off the tee, and it, looks, uh, it appears to be a, a putter weakness. But then again... At the Butterfield Bermuda, T3, I'm, I'm assuming he had a pretty decent putter there. Right. Made the cut last week at the Mayakoba. This just seems like an emerging player. He's very good around the green. I, I don't mind it. Yeah, another guy who's who's starting to figure it out. $6,800, not, not a bad price. $6,800 is also where Marty Dow is. Um, missed the cut in Mexico. I, I just I just like this kid's game. We saw it on the Corn Ferry last year. He finished 17th in Bermuda. He's uh, going to be on the riskier side of things, um, but that's not bad. I will say, uh, before I forget, Johannes Veerman, who most people are probably not aware of because he resides uh, almost entirely on the DP World Tour. Um, he's pretty good. So finished T11 at, at Mallorca, which was an event a couple of weeks ago. He is um, not great in any one area, Sia, but he gets the job done kind of across the board. He can have good weeks and bad weeks, but overall he is a positive player in all four of the strokes gain categories over his last 100 rounds, which is not something a lot of guys in the 6K range can say. Yeah, that's that's really strong. A uh, couple other guys uh, that I have down here. Uh, maybe we need to pull his profile up. I might second guess myself before I even get the name out. Stuart Sink at sixty seven hundred. Um, you, you know th- th- that was more of a like play the length of Stuart Sink type of play, and you know obviously like a a, a seasoned vet. This profile doesn't seem super terrible to me, to be honest with you. The ball striking has been there uh, largely for the last I don't know seven or eight tournaments. You know the short game can certainly be a problem. But again, we're talking about Stuart Sink at 6,700. Don't hate it. Charlie Hoffman's another guy that I, I, I don't hate at 6,800. And then as you pull up Hoffman, I do want to give out uh, one other name at 6,400. And let me just, I mean, Hoffman's putter's been so bad. Yeah, I'd like to retract that from the record. That That's just, I don't think you can recover from that. What about your boy though at 6,400, Michael Gligic? Um, I haven't looked at his stat profile in a while. So before I click it, he's like a very good cut maker. Let's see what he's been up to. I don't, he I don't profiles, know. Yeah. He profiles well for me in the model. So in my model, at least he's missed three, he's missed three cuts in a row, but two of them were on the number, which is, um, not always the worst thing in the world. Right. And then he's got those good finishes on the core Ferry tour at the end of last season. Um, generally more well-rounded than most of these guys. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's the if you if you think there are things like good miscuts and bad miscuts, he has two good miscuts and one bad miscut in his last three. Yeah, I, again, it's sixty-four hundred. Uh, you know, I don't think let's let's be real here. Like, you you shouldn't really be going down to that range, but he is a name that. He's 6,400 because of his recent play. You know, it's kind of a recency bias thing where his number gets pushed down. But I don't know that he's a $6,400 golfer. So if you're trying to like pair two top guys and, you know, in terms of the 10K range, and then you're trying to pull, I don't know, a 9K and a couple 7K guys, you might have to dip down to this range. And if you do, I don't think, I think you can do worse than Michael Gligic. 
just kind of scrolling through and seeing if anybody else um, jumps out. I mean, the guy, the hardest guy that I think to, to figure out would be like da- uh, David Lingmurth, who has back-to-back mm-hmm. top 11 finishes. But I don't know what the evidence is like, <laughs> like that this is going to continue. He won, he won in August on the Corn Ferry. Then he withdrew, miscut, 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 then had those two top 11 finishes. We can't even see the strokes game breakdown for it. See ya. So like, this is, he, this is just the most fascinating golfer. I don't know if I'll actually play him. I'm just interested to see. Can you scroll down a little bit more on Lingworth? Because there was a stretch where I think I was playing him and he was doing pretty well. And then he crashed and burned. Okay. There it was. It's, it must be, well, not the advent health, but the Wells Fargo. I, I it's like, right there. It's, it's, oh, it was 2021. I didn't realize that. Yeah. It's, it's right there where he had a stretch of some decent made cuts and anyway, it just kind of went away. But yeah, I don't think I'm going to get there with David Lingmurth on, on this one. I think the last time I was playing David Lingmurth was here, 2013. Oh, <laughs> Runner up at the players, T18 at the Crown Plaza, T9 at the Greenbrier, T12 at the RBC. That, that was probably the last time I played. Speaking uh, of twenty. Speaking of 2013, uh, a name I'm about to say at 6700. He was he was you know contending in some of the smallest tournaments back in uh, 2013 with the likes of like Robert Garrigus, uh, Scott Piercy. I think is an interesting play at 6700. Um, has some okay history here. Didn't rate out super terribly um, for me in this one. Obviously, the around the green game is is probably the only thing that really kind of stands out for him. But we know he's streaky. He's more of a showdown first round leader play than a, than a full tournament play. But yeah, I thought Piercy was interesting. Yeah, he does. He does well at. Um... Yeah, here's that 2013 same events that Lingmurth was playing well at. He was playing well at. <laughs> there um, you go. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely does well in in one round. Also, I saw him spouting off to trolls on Twitter, so he must be feeling himself. So somebody was like, "Oh, Scott Piercy, you stick." He was like, "Come, come play me first or something." So uh, yeah, he must be feeling pretty confident if he's if he's spouting off on Twitter. Somebody asked me today at LA Fitness. I was I was playing basketball, but just kind of warming up. And they said uh, a, a, a little. I, I want to call him a kid. I don't want to be disrespectful. He was a lot younger than me. I don't think he knew how old I was. But he's like, "Do you want to play one on one for a hundred dollars?" And he had a guy. He had a videographer with him, like just very discreet videographer with him, kind of in the corner with like one of those like cameras that he's just kind of holding low to record. And I think they just wanted to do it for content reasons. But I was like, "Is he really trying to bet me a hundred dollars?" Did you do it? No, because it was so the whole thing was really sketchy. I was like, first of all, if you're going to bet somebody $100 on a basketball court, somehow in that moment, like back up the fact that you have $100 because most people just don't have $100 laying around on them, like on the basketball court. But I also thought I was getting set up for something because, you know, like some some content I didn't want to be on. So I'm like, no, no, thanks. And he was terrible, by the way. I saw him like shooting around. The guy was like, he was terrible at I would have won easily. He was going to he was going to lose 11 nothing in the first game and then say, okay, let's go double or nothing for a thousand. Yes, I even said that out loud. I was like, is this like a Billy Hoyle thing? That's a, a movie reference you may or may not get, but some people get that movie reference. Uh, all right, do we have uh, we have the narrative lineups, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, look at these bad boys. Strokeskate narrative lineups are in. The Model Maniac. Oh, we're going with the Houston theme. Houston, we have liftoff. Is this a song? Should I know this? <sighs> Uh, I mean, I think it's just the, oh, the whole okay. like Houston, the space okay. stuff. Yeah. Sorry. I thought those were music notes. They were not. They're footprints. So uh, this is this is the model maniac saying Juan Yuan Smalley Sep for Red Man Yuan Giant Leap. For Herman Kind. <laughs> That's actually really, really good. Of course, that would be the words of, I believe, Neil Armstrong when he landed on the moon. Yeah, so that would be Carl Yuan, Alex Smalley, Sepp Straka, Doc Redmond, Danny Lee, Jim Herman, all in one. Wow. That might be that the is- most efficient use of the names, right? I mean, he got six names in in a – uh, like a 10 word phrase that we're all very familiar with. That is a, and I don't say this often. I say it every like fourth or fifth show. Maybe that's a first ballot hall of famer right there. Uh, it's that's pretty strong. So let me, hold on. Let me try that again. Uh, and I'll get all the pronunciations as accurately as I can. You on sep for Redmond. You on giant leap for Herman kind. <laughs> it's pretty good uh ryan fantasy bunker so he's going with 
large cities that aren't their state capital. Russell Knoxville. What is the state capital of Tennessee? Great question. Memphis? I don't think so. Nashville? No. Do you know? No, but I know it's not either of those. Um, I can't, Really? It's none of those three? Uh, I'm trying to – I'm actually trying How to – How can it not be one of those three? <laughs> what am I missing? Memphis? I feel like – Nashville? Knoxville? How can it not be one of those? It has to be Nashville, doesn't it? Well, go on to the next one and I'll look it up. Oh, it is Nashville. Son okay. of a gun. I don't sorry. Sorry I was so dismissive there. Go back go back, back to the right. go back to the other uh start. Yeah, okay, there we go. Uh the next player is San Francesco Molinari, because obviously the capital of California is Sacramento. That's correct. Uh Taylor Baltimore. That one's pretty easy because the capital of Maryland is. Ooh. What is the capital of Maryland? Uh, Annapolis? No. Oh, it is Annapolis. That's right. Yeah. Yep. How do I say this one? India. Oh, boy. Indian, Indianapolis Haley. Paul Haley the second. What is the capital of Indiana? It's not Indianapolis. That would have gotten me. Yeah, I, I kind of thought it was Indianapolis. I think it is Indianapolis. It has to be. Right? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. In capital of Indiana. This is a quick Google search. Indianapolis. <laughs> Ryan. Come on, Ryan. Give me the point. Jeez. Um, <laughs> C. Cincinnati Pan. C.T. Pan, Cincinnati. So the capital of Ohio is what? Cleveland? No. Uh, it does start with a C. Columbus? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, nice okay. job. <sighs> And this last one, I saw this one earlier. <laughs> Anchor Richie Warinsky is the word Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, I'm assuming then the capital is Juneau. That's right. Oh, oh, oh. I know my state caps. Somebody paid attention in school. All right, next slide, please. Okay, Eric says, uh, with election day tomorrow, I present some dead presidents. James Madison Hahn, Andrew Jackson Putnam, Martin Van Buren Laird. That's a good one. Zachary Taylor Pendrith. That's strong as well. Brent Ulysses Grant. <laughs> Great job. Benjamin Harrison Griffin, Richie Nixon Warinsky, and a couple of bonus non-presidents, Tyson Alexander Hamilton, and Aaron Burr Rye. Pretty that's good. great. That's yeah. great. Wasn't well, the duel between Aaron Burr and, and Alexander Hamilton? Uh, that, that, yeah. Pretty sure. Right. Yeah. 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 John Markowski says, Houston, we have a problem. And these are specific problems, ones that uh, John has had since turning 50. Oh, boy. Benny, ongoing neck pain from sleep. <laughs> John, huh? Can you repeat that? Nick, <laughs> what? Knee pain? I'm okay. Grayson, significantly tired by 9 p.m. I feel that one. MJ, more than Duffy trips to the bathroom overnight. I don't get that one. Adam, I think he's. I think he's going defew more than du, more than defew trips. Oh, sorry. I was sticking to the. I was sticking to the the pronunciation. Adam, mm. I now shank every tee shot. Preach. Tough. Tough scene for the over 50 crowd. Thanks, John. Thanks for everybody else who sent it in. See you. Any final thoughts before we get out of here on Houston Open DFS? Well, first of all, we had uh, some other uh, Stokes Gain narrative lineup, so uh, please keep them coming. We, we, we've got a lot of interest in that. So if I didn't, if we didn't put it up, it doesn't mean we didn't like it. We, we were kind of a little shorter on time this week because we, we got a late start. But um, – no, I'm actually excited about this tournament. Uh, I, I, I'm feeling good about some of the players we talked about, especially some of the sneaky players. I feel good about the idea of, you know, we say this every week, but maybe getting off some of the chalk when we find out what that chalk is, uh, you know, probably Wednesday, Wednesday night. But this feels like a good one. Tuesday's show will be the mega preview pod. Sunday's show will be the recap and all things that have gone on in the world of golf this week. For now, producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sienna Jad available on Twitter at Sienna Jad. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.
from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.